Listener Production. Hi, this is Paul McIntyre. Welcome to the MI3 Audio Edition. I've been a business journalist for 25 years covering the marketing, media, agency and tech sectors. In this series, we talk to industry leaders about the global and local developments that you need to be across this week. This audio edition is created in conjunction with partners as part of our Market Voice series. Well, even if you've been under a rock for the past year, you'd know the retail and media boom is well underway. But there's actually a much bigger category that retail and media is just a part of. It's called owned media, and at an estimated $3.9 billion is nearly two times the size of what retailers have been doing with their own channels and audiences. Owned media gets plenty of interest, but it's been a mystery to quantify and properly understand its impact on a business and customers. Much of what we've seen to date are vanity metrics, and as we know, vanity works when substance is missing. But it's all changing quickly in the owned media sector. ANZ Bank CMO Sweden Mayra is the latest blue chip to get serious about valuing and leveraging its own channels and audiences, and it may lead to other brands partnering with ANZ across its various owned channels. The bank has circa 6 million customers coming to its various assets every month. ANZ started with commissioning owned media experts Sonder to conduct an evaluation and audit of ANZ's channels and identify commercial leverage opportunities for the bank. Sonder more broadly has calculated the average value of media assets for a financial services company is about $152 million, with $17 million of that in direct new revenues that can be tapped for a business like ANZ. I'm not sure if I'm going to get the hard ANZ figure, but we'll try, sweeter, just a little later. I look forward to being told to mind my own business. Ultimately, ANZ, using its targeting and reporting smarts from first-party data, could see it become a new business gateway for the bank's own business customers, small and large. But before ANZ gets there, there's been a ton of groundwork to be ready. Indeed, Sweetus says her entire team of about 400 people is thinking differently about media audiences and target segments since the bank embarked on its own media build-out. So joining Sweeter on the mics today to talk owned media and way beyond retailer media are Sonder co-founders Jonathan Hopkins and Angus Fraser. Welcome to you all. Thanks for joining. Um, before we get to the ANZ grand plan for owned media, uh, let's get a fix on the big picture for what is actually happening in the owned media sector. Jonathan Hopkins, to you first. Um, why don't you talk through where at least blue chip companies are at with owned uh, rather than paid channels and what's the state of play today? Welcome, Jonathan, and look forward to hearing where it's all at. Thanks, Paul. Great to be here again. What we're seeing in the marketplace outside of retailers, the finance category has by far the most potential to grow their own media leverage. The vast pools of customer data provide multiple leverage opportunities for their own marketing and partner marketing through their own channels. And the, this quality of data really allows partners to access levels of customer targeting and reporting simply unachievable in paid media. And we'll delve into that uh, with Sweeter a bit later on. Um, Other sectors, travel, one of the most established owned media categories out there. For decades, airlines like Virgin, BA, Qantas have all understood partner appeal of a captive audience in a positive mindset. And they've been supplementing those low profit margins in their core business with highly profitable owned media leverage. And now we're seeing hotels, resorts, holiday businesses, and so on, all starting to follow suit. 
The other big one is telcos. So businesses like Telstra and Optus in Australia have vast media ecosystems and really pioneered owned media leverage through their public payphone channels, where they now have you know posters, screens, Wi-Fi networks. But way beyond that now, they leverage media in multiple forms, from handset deals to long-term sponsorship partners. And in markets like the UK, EE um, have a charge model. So they're actually charging partners and suppliers cash money for media usage. Um, and then the, finally, utilities. Any, any kind of business like that that has a vast customer base, um, which are relati- relatively under-leveraged, and a loyalty rewards program offer huge potential. And we, you know, we see the likes of NRMA, AGL leading the way here. Um, and emerging sector in that within that would be the health sector starting to join the party. Brands like Medibank and Bupa um, really growing their reward partnership program. We should be clear up front, really, about what defines an owned media channel. What's the range? I know we've talked before about this, but it's everything from email, right, to websites. But it's a very big, big sort of suite of of, uh, channels there. Yeah, it's a broad church. And every time we do an audit and evaluation, the business that we worked with is surprised or enlightened um, about, you know, what an owned channel might constitute. You know, we've seen things like call centers, um, the influence of staff, signage on a building right through to your classics which are social media posts emails app tiles and obviously the website banners and website pages so any channel that a business owns and controls the communication through um, that attracts a frequent audience and a sizable audience is an own channel you talk about some of those, and it's well known, sort of the early established owned media sectors like airlines. Why has it taken, I guess, when you see some of the things they're doing, why has it taken such a while for some of these other sectors to start going, ah, there's opportunities here in owned media assets? What's been the sort of delay? Or maybe I'm making it up, there's no delay. <laughs> no, you're not making it up. I think it's fair to say that these other sectors have been slow to realize the value of what they're sitting on and and have an appetite to do it. I think it's natural that grocery, liquor and retail aggregator sectors, you know, were first to realize because they have vast audience with high frequency purchases and are certainly the most sizable in terms of owned media leverage and they also have the ability to charge cash money for it so it's more of a direct revenue model whereas with these other sectors it's more of an indirect revenue model so what we see there is the representation of that owned media value in deals rather than charging cash money for it got it Uh, one more clarification is when i said in the in the intro about an example of the average value of media assets for a financial services company being 152 million, but in direct new revenues, it's looking like 17 million. Just to clarify what the difference is there, Jonathan. You're, you're valuing the overall assets, but then what can be driven out of those assets? Is that what the, those numbers represent? Yeah, the larger number is the media asset value. So that's if, if ANZ Bank was a media business or if um, Woolworths was a media business, that's the media asset value. So it's the total value of all of their media channels. 
The derivative of that is commercial potential. So that's what is realistically leverageable with brand partners. Angus Fraser, beyond what Jonathan's talked about, um, there's a good setup there for what's happening in the market overall. I think you argue that while retail media is focused tightly on commercials and monetization, there's a strategic case for owned media. What do you mean by that, uh, Angus? And welcome. Thanks, Paul. So I think when we're talking about the strategic role of owned media, you do need to jump into the strategic helicopter and and get some uh, altitude. But basically, if you acknowledge that a brand is simply a memory, then the role of owned media can be more clearly defined. So I've spent time in the US with Duke University's marketing psychology uh, faculty there. And one of the things that we learned with with them is that memories are fundamentally created through experiences, right? And those memories are then triggered through what is largely non-conscious communication. Now, advertising in the paid media sense is reductive by nature. You take a great big expansive brand story and you reduce it down to 15 second ads um, or a banner or a poster. So advertising in paid media are very good at triggering memories. But creating memories is, you know, through experience, that's the domain of owned media because your customers are there to experience your store your branch, your lounge, your app, your website. And that gives you a much greater opportunity to create positive experiences. And I think what this also does is it highlights one of the big watchouts for Marcoms, which is the transmedia trap. And transmedia is where a, a piece of advertising is developed for, for paid media comms. And then it basically gets dropped into all of your paid owned and earned channels. And that's done in an effort to create ubiquity and to create efficiency. But really what it's doing is squandering that opportunity for owned media by using it to essentially trigger brand memories rather than creating new memories. And that, I guess, is also why having great content is so important in that owned media space. Good point. So finally, to Sweeter, you're moving at pace on your owned media strategy at at ANZ. It started with this whole audience and channel asset evaluation by Sonda. Sweeta, what did it tell you and why is owned media now a big, bigger priority for you and your team? And welcome. Great to have you back on the mics again. Thank you, Paul. It's great to be back, uh, and especially with our partners from Sonda Media, Angus and Jonathan as well. Now, again, as as you heard me before, Paul, we've always been very focused as a marketing organization on three things. How do you grow reputation? How do you drive revenue growth? And how do you deepen the customer relationships? Now, for all the reasons that Angus said, there's only so much and so far you can do or go with just your paid media. So that is why we were always interested in our own data, all the personalization strategy and so on. Now, while all of that was good, uh, where Saunders really helped us is really quantify the value and impact of our own media channel. We didn't have a number to it. We did not know that with our own channels, we can create 85 million impressions a month. Mm, 85 million. Yes. And that is a massive number, Paul, right? Most marketers would pay a lot of money to get that kind of impression. I know I would have had in my previous life, right? So when we've got that many millions of impressions available within our own channels, that has led to a bit of a mindset shift on how do we think about what we call the inside-out marketing strategy at the first layer. 
And how do we therefore think about not just prospect management, you know, basically getting someone to come onto our sites and apply and so on, because which is what marketing does all the time, but really, really, how do we leverage the own media to do not just acquisition, but also do a lot more of activation, engagement, retention activities. That has been massive. And if I look at the upside revenue that we could get from that, that is more than anything I could have got from just spending money on campaigns in paid and earned channels and driving acquisition alone. Got it. So, so that's number one as a massive reason. I mean, basically, the big thing that we've got is Sonda's has done the work for us. And so how many channels, sweated? What did Sonda cover? Was it, did you end up getting to, what, 10, a dozen different assets? Was that about right? About a dozen for sure. And of course, we know not all of them are the same. So some of them are a lot more bigger in magnitude, like our websites and our app and so on. Then we've got others, like every other bank, we've got branches and so on. So we are part of it, our emails, SMSs. Now, here's the big $6 million question. What did Sonda say your assets were worth, sweeter? Am I going to get that answer or a range? Paul, I think the reality is it's a changing number, right? So Saunders team did the analysis in December, and that was based on point of time capability and point of time reach and frequency of those assets. Since then, we've launched new channels, right? New ways to communicate, and therefore that number will keep evolving. So I'll be absolutely wrong if I try and give you a number today, but, you know, Jonathan and uh, has given us some ranges before. You've talked about what the financial services are. So it depends on how you want to put an, uh, a value to it. If you're talking about the value for, you know, I look at value in three lenses. One is how can I get more value out of what our own business objective is as ANZ? And that one I can tell you is hundreds of millions. Second one is really around, you know, what is it worth in terms of partnerships? You know, um, we have just an, announced a partnership with Cash Rewards last year or the year before that. We announced partnerships with View Media Group last year. And, you know, obviously our own channels can provide a certain amount of contractual value to those partnerships. And that's absolutely there. And that number is constantly evolving as well. And the third one is what you talked about, which is what airlines and others have done, which is sell media, right? And we've got a small number, but the reality is that's my smallest upside opportunity. So to answer your question, why are industries like finance behind it? Earlier, you were making an observation. That's because we've got much bigger revenue pool to go after with this own media as compared to selling the media to get third-party revenue. Got it. And so was there any surprises in, in that Sonder analysis in terms of channels that popped up and said, actually, that's bigger or more important than we thought? I think given Saunders is an absolute expert in this area, the surprise is not in the relative value of our own channels. I think we understood we understood our own capabilities and therefore we knew uh, where there's more or less opportunity. The interesting insights were really on our averages versus the other, other members of the industry, right? And you realize, hey, we are probably not yet leveraging certain channels as well as we could. And we needed a few interventions to make them stronger. We better appreciated some channels we are doing so well on. And we could pat ourselves on the back and say, okay, how do we go even faster with that? We've got something special here. So the insights are not in the relative value as much as the relative comparison externally. Got it. Now, your partnership strategy, this is interesting because when you talk about ANZ having 85 million impressions, 
the interesting thing there is that I guess when you have these partner programs that you're you're working with and you're promoting those partnerships on A and Z assets, this is where it starts to you get a more sophisticated conversation going with your partners because you're actually delivering something more than what they may have thought you could hitherto. Is that part of the equation here, Sweda? That's absolutely part of the value exchange, right? So because every time you get into a deal, and again, it's totally up to us whether or not we put it in part of the contractual obligations. But the point is, you know, it may be a conversation with another big travel company where we are talking about partnership and we're saying, this is what you get and this is what we get, right? And are we balancing it out? And therefore, are we partnering at the same level? Or in some case, where it's investment that we made in the company and we're talking about, hey, in addition to the capital that we're providing, we're providing equivalent worth of media investments in the company. Right. So it just depends. But frankly, we're seeing that to be of use in many different contexts. Jonathan Arangus, on this partnership aspect, it sort of gets incorporated into every owned media strategy or is it limited to what you've talked about before, airlines, perhaps banks? Can everyone do this, this partnership, this leverage? Yes, it is open to everyone, every sector, every business. So if you have a sponsorship or a long-term partnership or a suite of rewards partners, offers partners, any external brand that you work with, there's a value exchange. And to date, especially in sponsorships, it's been very much about the sponsor paying the sponsee an amount of money for a return. Whereas the way we see it is um, the sponsor also has something to offer and a partnership nowadays should be a bit more equal. And the support that they give to that partnership in their own channels has significant value, which is often overlooked, but should be recognized in the deal. So it is open to anyone and to any brand partnership. Sweeta, when you talk about that third aspect of uh, in your owned media strategy about how ANZ might derive revenue from its owned assets via other brands, and particularly you talk about this personalization journey, which you've been obviously investing in for a long time with your tech stacks and, and your strategy there. So what does that look like for you in terms of partnerships, customers, other partners that are Jonathan talked about in and around sponsors? Where could this go or where do you see this? How do you see this playing out? So again, um, the reality is, Paul, if you ask me for the next two or three years, we'll be very focused on continuing to build out personalization capabilities, which is essentially your data and tech platforms, your data models, orchestration capabilities, consents and preferences, as well as reporting. Now, as we do that, my upside opportunities are all predominantly still resting within what we can do for our ANZ customers and what we can do for our established partners, you know, where we've got some kind of a contractual or investment relationship. The third aspect of monetizing in the relative scheme of things comes becomes very small. And also, you know, uh, I know some of my other peers are getting into magazines and they're getting into investments. The reality is all of that for us is very tiny. I don't see ourselves getting into that, not because it's not worth it. Possibly it could help me cross-reference or cross-sell, like, you know, subsidize some of my investments. But the upside magic is really in really engaging our customers, driving that longer-term relationships and building on top of the advertising, the paid and earned that we're doing than in actually monetizing it externally. Give me an example of a hypothetical example of how you could apply that, the use case for that, Sweeter. So I'll give you a simple example, right? Uh, because one of the things that this 
realization one over a period of time but of course uh, as the data has come in is is really the role of content sitting on our own hubs and how that could contribute to innovation and how can it contribute to the way the brand is perceived a few years ago you would never have a marketing team try and lead innovation by itself most of the innovation would come from the product areas or some new feature dropped in your digital teams and the marketing team will be basically talking about that now what the importance of or what own channels gives to us is uh, the ability to pull together content in the place that is relevant for the customers so for example 3 years ago we did the work on financial wellbeing hub and we pulled together literally a lot of knowledge sitting in different parts of the bank in together in a digital hub all right now since then we've had almost 2 million customers come to the website engage with us more than 30% of them have come to us more than once each time they come they go and spend 3 minutes they play around with different tools and calculators they start the online application and then they join the bank right many of them have signed up for emails we are in weekly touch with them giving them information on how to improve their financial wellbeing got it now that is an activity which has got so much of a and by the way i still feel we're scratching the surface because there's some other content work that we've done which has led to people spending as much as 8 to 9 minutes on a site and going up to four pages deep right oh you get that you that's don't. nearly as high as mi3 sweeter <laughs> exactly so i am definitely not going to try and compete with you for another legal together but but i can just say as a brand those numbers are hard to beat and we were talking about in a world of 6 and 15s and 30 seconds kind of conversations you know consumer coming and spending that much of time on your site on your pages your bankers playing back the same conversations it's an opportunity to not just drive brand contact but really frankly change the way they deal with money and improve their lives right right definitely so that's where we will be focusing a lot of our energy on because we believe we're still not reaching out enough of our customers and making enough of an impact there and we are very committed as a bank to do that so now that you understand the whole quantum of your assets you will what will you do differently now you've got content loaded but understanding as a, it's one of your own channels how will you do things differently sweeter that improves that customer experience and conversion so um it ranges a fair bit Paul depending on product to product so if you think about products like personal loans where we've got and they are not different from other banks where the rate of approval of someone who is uh new to the bank is lower than for a customer who is already an existing customer of the bank right in the past without having all of this data as well quantified as we've got now if i'm a marketer in that team i would have gone and started with creating a marketing or media plan i've gone to the and say hey give me this reach give me this frequency because this is the target in a paid context as opposed to an own context yeah yeah now if and by the way we've had similar conversations with those teams internally as those data has come in and not just with personal loans but many of the other feature led communication that we need to do which is saying hey if this is your objective this is a business objective what is your own media strategy and then how does the paid and the earned media come on top of that now obviously the own media is not great for always reaching out to people who are in the market for those right. products that's not already your customers right yeah 
Yes, right? So there will be some people who are not my customers but who need that product right now, who are searching for it, and I want to be able to reach out for them. But there will be a whole lot of current customers who are giving me signals that this product may be relevant for them, and I can and I should plan to reach out to them first and accordingly then augment with my paid and earned strategy. Got it. The improvement that you're seeing in conversions is quite significant depending on what product you're talking about here, right? So you're seeing good lifts in some of the things by improving a lot of this. Can you quantify that? Absolutely. So just on .com over the last uh, couple of years, as we focus a lot more on internal channels, uh, we're definitely seeing much better conversions. Uh, That's partly driven by content, partly driven by better online forms and, and so on and so forth. But we've seen as much as tripling of conversion levels versus the past. Now, as you know, a funnel, any change at the bottom makes a much bigger impact and you need to build in a lot more, spend a lot more to get people into the funnel versus, you know, out of the funnel. Tripling at the bottom of the funnel is massive. So I guess that sort of is, they're all good proof points for your team as well. And we should define what your team is because you've got, tell us what you've got um, responsibility for, but they are thinking differently now to your earlier point about when they approach a campaign or communications, maybe owned comes first, does it? Not for everyone, as I said, but yes, in a big way in our conversation. Now, just to be clear, we did the study in December. We've done a big restructure in end of February and the teams are just getting settled. So it's not that we've got got it perfectly sought out, but that's definitely where we are moving to. Is increasingly for large parts of the business, thinking through your objectives, your audiences, and then work through what's the role of old, paid, and earned, and then accordingly spend for that and accordingly create assets for that. And if I can just build on that, um, we're seeing that across the market as well, is this shift in mindset from brand managers and marketing managers and teams defaulting to paid media as the solution to every marketing problem. Like Sweeter says, it's not going to be the solution in every single case, but we've seen examples in the past where businesses have used 100% owned channels for certain campaigns where the audience exists. And when you put a dollar value on a, on a media channel, marketers start to appreciate own media's contribution more and eventually appreciate that own media can acquire customers as well as retain them. So a simple example of that is instead of investing in street furniture or screens in um, high streets, in ANZ's case, they have screens outward facing in most branches around the country, the most high streets around the country, and are therefore able to consider acquisition in some cases as well. So it's not just talking to your own customers for cross-sell opportunities. So there are many more examples of that. And you know what Swid is talking about is, is open to other businesses as well. And Sweda, so how might your paid media budget change then as a result of this? Are you already tweaking dials and changing things around based on the objectives for particular campaign pieces? Luckily, I think we're in that cycle where, you know, we had to do a lot of cuts a few years ago. And that is where we were forced to look inwards to make sure that we're not dropping down on the key brand matrix while we were dealing with big productivity. But thanks to the increase in effectiveness that we've seen on a business, frankly, our business leaders are not expecting us to cut marketing dollars. And therefore, I'm not looking at 
you know, now I'll spend more on own media or now I'll use my own media a lot more effectively and I understand its value and therefore I'll reduce my paid and earned media. I'm talking about ultimately how do I use both such that I've maximized own and then I can get more out of my paid and earned because I'm very clear about who am I going for and what am I trying to achieve with it. Right. So it's a really fortunate place to be in. It's not about I know my own media is worth 85 million and therefore I can cut the equivalent off paid and earned exposure. No, I'm not talking at all. I guess what that suggests then is there is, if you're saying that there's not a top line cut in your media budget allocation, it's actually where you're putting it then based on the campaigns that you've got in front of you. So there will be changes in your media mix based on what your campaign objectives are. That's what we're talking about then. Yeah. And that's why we're talking about business cases around using own media, which is hundreds of millions of dollars of incremental revenue for the business. Yeah. Jonathan Arangas, um, we've heard you work a lot with blue chips. Um, is what Sweeter and the ANZ is doing typical or different to what you see at the moment in the market? You know, it's fair to say that I think Sweeter is definitely um, progressive in the sense in terms of um, larger organisations really honing in on owned and taking that own first approach and looking at an inside out model for communications. I think that it's changing, but there's a big mindset shift that's required um, of marketing teams. And, And I stress teams because everyone has to come along on that journey of understanding that you don't need to default to paid media for every single communications challenge that's required. But where I think when you fully understand the scale of which you have at your at your disposal through your own channels, then that can really shift the way that people view their own media and the way that they can leverage that um, asset. So Sweeter talks about no reduction in her media budgets and her marketing budgets as a result of these improvements and changes. But what do you see elsewhere? Do you see tweaking of dials uh, in paid and owned, I should say, in, with other companies that they are changing these mixes around? I think it's more about reducing your reliance on paid media. And it's not so much, as Sweet has pointed out, it's not so much about reducing spends as reducing your reliance on paid media for every campaign, every challenge that you have, so that you can take that sort of more considered approach of, well, how do we really invest in the campaigns that are critical that need that paid media aspect and how do we leverage the owned media we have for the campaigns that don't necessarily need that that exposure outwardly. So I don't think it's reduction um, of spend. I think it's um, reducing the reliance on paid media for everything. I think it's fair to say that the majority of organisations don't know the value of their own media networks. They don't know what they're sitting on and often they don't know how to leverage them effectively for their own marketing and commercially. So I think there's there's still a long way to go before owned media's true potential is recognised. Sweeter, what does success look like for you in a year's time and in two years' time for the ANZ? I mean, what's next in your sort of your owned media rollout? And are we going to see any sort of Hollywood scale productions and, you know, going, well, ANZ's now not just media, it's it's Hollywood. Sorry to disappoint you, Paul, but I don't think we'll be seeing any Hollywood side uh, standard <laughs> from ANZ. We are very much a bank and we'll stay focused on the core uh, and very focused on the purpose of shaping a world where people and communities thrive and as a marketing organization focused on improving financial well-being of our customers. 
So yes, no Hollywood scale. But audio visual, yes, you will do more AV. Absolutely. You know, the whole thing about if you're in, engaging, you know, on your own channels with your customer four times versus when you want to start doing it 40 times, you need to absolutely think about how you're scaling your production without increasing your cost by 40 times, right? That's not an option. So, so yes, we will be doing a whole lot more. We are already doing a lot more. And I know in the world of Gen AI, everyone's looking at how does it help us get more, mm. more scale and speed. We're no different. However, very simply put, what success looks like, like any other marketer, I can talk about the acquisition numbers and so on. But really, the success is not just having more customers using more of our products. The success is really having more of our customers using our products in the way it's intended to use a lot more often. So it is the whole part on activation, engagement, retention that I talked about, because we believe that the more customers use our products, the more we get to know about the financial matters. And therefore, we've got more information to give them the right nudges, the right insights to help them manage their money better and therefore improve their financial well-being. Yeah. So, yes, there's a whole revenue angle to all of this. Uh, as I said, it's pretty sizable and it's pretty attractive, but there is an equally big financial well-being context over here for us, mm. which are equally committed to, right? So those would be the two things. That said, um, underpinning a lot of that is when that's where Jonathan was going. The first step is to know what the value of the asset is. Second, you need to start figuring out, like we did, uh, either because of comparison or otherwise, where we are under leveraging some of those assets and what needs to be true for us to truly, truly unpack the value of own media for your customers, for your partners, or for monetizing, right? So in one or two years' time, we'll hopefully have more engaged customers, better revenue, better financial well-being, and hopefully we'll have even more improved personalization capabilities to leverage and maximize your own assets. We should wrap this thing up. I want to just get to each of you on some sort of final key watchouts, takeouts uh, around own media, both to your peers in the industry of what that needs to be, what they should be thinking about on all those different channels that covered in owned media. So, Jonathan, to you first, key watchouts, takeouts for you in what you're seeing in the sector. When it's not retail media, I strongly believe it's not so much about selling media space to advertisers. It's more about leveraging the value with partners. That's the key takeout. Got it. Uh, Angus? So I think the, the key takeout from this is know your worth. You know, as an organization, I think marketers inherently the ones who are responsible for customer connections across all channels and i think it's um crucial that to really be able to leverage what they have they need to know the value of what they've got and so going about that process auditing what you have within your ecosystem being clear on it as sweeter was saying you know understanding where your assets sit in relation to the broader market is really important understanding where your opportunities lie to extract better value from them it's kind of fairly rudimentary self-awareness, you know, at an organizational yeah. level. Yeah. And Sweeta, your final thoughts on this? So the first one is really um, knowledge is power. So as Angus said, know, know the value of your own assets and see how you can increase that even more by comparisons and references to the benchmarks. So that's the biggest takeaway on the power of own, own media. The watch out that I would say is we should not fall into the trap of just to, because it's so powerful, 
that you can be so tempted to just keep driving more of that. But remember, marketing has to drive the long and the short of it. Mm. And therefore, the watch out is that everyone will be tempted to say, hey, because I've got this and this is so powerful, I will reduce my spends mm. in the other. So therefore, really, the watch out is keep planning for the long and think about the complementary nature and the value of driving owned, paid and earned more systematically, whether it's in context of your brand and campaigns and reputation or in context of revenue and relationships, really. So it's it's both that we need and it's not one over the other. Yeah, got it. Well, that was a good conversation. I've learned a lot. So Swedemara, Jonathan Hopkins, uh, Angus Fraser, thanks for joining. Good conversation. Uh, keep the eye out on these aspiring media companies like Swedemara and ANZ. I'm watching. Thanks for joining. This MI3 audio edition was presented by Paul McIntyre. That's more. Producer Nick Slater. Music by Matt Dwyer. For more episodes, go to listener.com or download the Listener app and search MI3 audio edition to listen for free. Listener.